Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ath Geeks Podcast, your source for all sports, anime, and manga content. I'm your host, Adrian, and I am back to do my post-summer league review. So how I'm going to break this down is, um, I'm trying to decide that still, I'm sorry, I'm messing around my headphones right now. Uh, I'm trying to decide how I want to do that right now. Right now, the first episode we're going to do lottery picks one through obviously you know 14 i might go to 16 just to make it you know uh all around number because you know usually when we do the redraft or the mock draft we usually go to 16 instead of just doing 14 so i might i might go all the way to 16 still and then i might do um 17 through the rest of the first round or 17 through the second round and then do a, you know, soft biggest sophomores and everything that played well in the summer league. I haven't decided exactly how I'm going to break this down, but I'm going to start off with just one through 16. And again, guys, remember this is the summer league. I'm just grading them off the summer league. I'm not saying if so, if I say your favorite player or a player from your team played poorly in the summer league, and I don't think that they played that great. That doesn't mean I'm saying they're going to be a bad player for their NBA career. I'm just saying right now in the summer league, they played poor, but they can always bounce back because plenty of players, plenty of all-time greats have played poorly in the summer league and then turned around and dominated in the NBA. Look at people like Steph Curry didn't play well in the um, summer league. Uh, LeBron didn't play too well his first game. Um, D Rose. I remember at the Derrick Rose when it was Derrick Rose versus Michael Beasley. That was like the big matchup, and Michael Beasley dominated Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose didn't look good at all. But then we see how both of them turned out. Um, what's called like I said, uh, Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan got outplayed, and he came in after four years. He came, he got outplayed in the summer league. He and he looked like he was gonna struggle. But then we all saw what happened to Tim Duncan. Trey Young a couple years ago struggled. Um cat a few years back struggled and they weren't sure about him there was there's there's a there i say all this to say my point is there's lots of people that play poorly in the summer league but still dominate and there's plenty of people that dominate in the summer league look at somebody like kevin knox but then when they get to the actual nba they're not as good as we thought they would be good so it just all depends how i like to evaluate people in the summer league is i don't i like to see you play the role you're actually going to play so how we saw people like Michael Beasley and all of them still in the summer league today, I don't want to see you dominate trying to, you know, just shoot every shot, handling the ball every single time, because that's not the role you're going to play on your team. Somebody like, you know, let's say I'm just going to throw it in, you know, um, let's say you were just a shooting guard that got drafted. You're supposed to be a three and D wing. And that's what the role you're going to play. And you got drafted later on. That is your niche and that's how you're going to make a living in the nba so if you're going to be a three and d wing yeah i want you to work on other aspects of your game if your coach told you like i want you to work on this i want you to work on that however i don't want you to come out there and be like hey i'm gonna do all these extra things i want to be driving i'm not gonna be shooting and all. no i want you to still play within the kind of role take what the defense is giving you but still do what you should be able to do i feel like that's what a lot of players mess up especially in the G League as well. You'll see a player and people are like, oh, he's dominating the G League. Somebody like Carson Edwards, for example, like you'll see him in the Summer League and in the G League. They score a lot of points. And everybody's like, oh, he's scoring a lot of points. Why is he not getting more opportunity in the NBA? Why is he not getting any more opportunity 
X, Y, and Z and everything. Why are they not playing him more? And it's like, because of his play style. Yeah, he's dropping 30, whatever, in the summer league, dropping 30 in the G League. But look at the way he's getting his 30. Look at the way he's getting his points. Oh, let me wait. Give me one second. The little girl just walked in. How you doing, little mama? Thank you very much. You see, I'm recording. You just wanted to come in here, huh? All right, well, all right, well, I'm just going to finish like this then. All right. So, like I was saying, like somebody like Carson Edwards on the Celtics, he's not going to be able to sit there and handle the ball and be the primary ball handler for a majority of the game and take 15 to 20 shots throughout the whole game and everything. Uh-huh. Okay. And he's not going to take 15 to 20 shots throughout the whole game because that's not the role he's going to play in the NBA. There's no NBA team that's going to be like, hey, Carson Edwards, we want you running our offense and shooting 15 to 20 shots a game. Nobody's going to do that. So when I see you doing that in the G League, in the Summer League, I'm like, that's not what I need. I need you to be able to be like, hey, I know I'm only going to get like four to six shots in the game. And I need to make those four to six shots count. I need I can't be a rhythm scorer or a rhythm shooter or anything like that. I have to be able to come in there in short bursts, be like, hey, I know I'm gonna be in there for a couple minutes, but in that couple minutes, I need to score as much as possible efficiently and everything like that, because that's the role you're gonna be playing. You need to be able to be able to play off ball and catch and shoot. And if you can't do that, then you're not really helping the team because Unless you're somebody like a Cade or Jalen Green or anybody like the Evan Mobley, you're their franchise piece. You're going to come in as trying to be a rotational player, probably maybe a start and everything like that, but you're you're not going to be the main focal point. So you need to be able to play off-ball and play everything else like that because this isn't college, this isn't overseas or wherever you came from before you got to the NBA. So where you can play the way you want to play. That's why somebody like Jimmer struggled when he got to the NBA. But then you see him over there in China. He's over there dominating. You're like, oh, well, why can't he do that in the NBA? Because when he comes over here in the NBA, he tries to shoot too much. They're like, we're not running our offense. You need to be able to catch and shoot and play off ball. We're not running you as our primary player. So I've said all that so y'all understand how I'm grading these players and everything. So let's go ahead and get into it. And I'm done rambling. Um, The number one pick. K Cunningham, I give him an A. That man had a good summer league. Outside of his first game, his first game, he struggled, you know. He hit two early threes, and then I was hyping. I was like, oh, my God, the jump shot is falling. But then, you know, he fell into the trap, and he didn't, he didn't really finish the game to what he finished. I think shooting like five for 17. He had a lot of turnovers. He had like five, four or five turnovers. So he struggled in game one. But game two, he bounced back. And that was the Jalen Green matchup, the anticipated Jalen Green matchup, because everybody was like one and two. Cade looked really good in that in that second game. He looked, he really, it was a major bounce back. He shot, he shot much better. He didn't shoot five percent. He shot much better. He played, he looked amazing on the defensive end. You could see him communicating. You saw him just leading his teammates, being a legit floor general. And I know I say before, like, I'm not sure how. I like Cade as a point guard right now rather than just a wing be, that can be a secondary ball handler only because he still has these turnover problems. So he bounced back and had an amazing game offensively and defensively, even had this like nice move on crossover on Jalen Green to the three and everything. But he had a lot of turnovers in this game as well. He had four turnovers. He had four turnovers and everything. So he was still struggling. 
Game three, he comes around. He looks amazing again. Seven for 10 from the three, like eight for 14 from the field. He did it all from rebounding, playing defense. He started to look more comfortable like the game was like he he's getting used to playing again and everything. So no complaints in that game. He looked like the true number one pick in games two and three. I mean, like I said, though, his turnovers were killing him. I mean, he had he 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 had some good averages. He was like 19-6 and 2 on 43-50-50 splits. So he shot 50% from the three. And obviously that's not, you know, he's not gonna shoot 50% when he comes into the NBA, but he's showcasing the fact that he can shoot the ball. The jump shot definitely is transferring over. Like I said, defensively, he looked good with communication, and he looked like he was going to accept challenges and wanted to go at Jalen Green, wanted the challenge just as bad Jalen Green did and everything. like. And I like the fact that he looked good off ball. He looked good off ball and on ball. When he was facilitating playmaking, he looked good. He was making the extra passes, making the right passes, doing what he was supposed to. And when he was off ball, he was able to catch and shoot, still be a secondary playmaker and do what he was supposed to. So he played well on and off the ball. Um, Like I said, it should be interesting to see him and Killian in the backcourt. Not sure if Killian is going to be the long-term point guard there with Cade. I can see Cade having another good point guard with him so that like Cade can be the secondary playmaker. But Killian's going to have to be a much better shooter like, or a, like he's going to become a better shooter to be alongside Cade because Killian looked good right there as well. That's why when people were complaining about Cade's game saying, well, it's not his fault he was turning the ball over, look who he's playing with. And it's like Killian is on the court with him and facilitating and doing just getting more assists and everything and running the offense more so than Cade. And he didn't have the turnover problem that Cade was having. Cade was really, he just really struggles when it comes to turning over the ball. And I just hope that doesn't transition into the NBA and everything. We know he's a good free throw shooter. I'm not really worried about that 50% from the free throw line. You know, he shot less than one a game, so I'm not really worried about that. What I did notice, though, was his at his first step and his athleticism. His first step wasn't at that impressive. And it's look, he didn't. And that sounds like a negative, but it honestly is a positive. His first step wasn't that impressive, but he was still easily blowing by defenders and with his craftiness and getting to his spots. So even without the, you know, prime athleticism, I think Luca has showed us you don't have to be the best athlete to get around and get to your spots and everything. And Cade has that right there. So, and he makes up for it with his size and length. So he doesn't have to necessarily be the most athletic, but Cade got an A for me. He looked, he looked really, really good. Um, Then we're going to go to the number two pick. Um, That would be Jalen Green. Jalen Green. And Jalen Green looked good. He looked really good. That first game, uh, Sophia, stop. That first game, he brought out his entire bag. And I'm talking about his entire bag. Like, he was crossing people over. He was doing step backs. He was doing it all. He looked he looked really good out there in game. I'm telling you, he had me glued to the screen and jumping around and getting hype for him. He was doing it all. He had 23-5-2. He shot 50% from the field, hit four threes. And like I said, he showcased his bag it was just it looked really good his first step was faster than i even expected to like he expected to be i mean i guess it's been so long since i watched him i wasn't really paying attention but he's gonna be a problem as a scorer in the nba he had a couple passes off the pick and roll showing that he can see the floor and that he can be a facilitator 
but there was a lot of times that that he looked off his teammates. A lot of times, um, Singoon, somebody else we're going to talk about later on the podcast, was open or had positioning, and he just looked him off, didn't pass it to him. A lot of those young guards on Houston were struggling with that. I think that's something. Uh, if y'all remember that old episode of Open Court, like like Open Court, they don't really show up and it doesn't come on really anymore. But Open Court, there was an episode where they were saying, "What do you?" They were asking all the players, all all the player people, "What do they think that they do well that isn't done well anymore in the NBA?" And Kenny Smith brought up a point, and at the time I was like, what is he talking about? He was talking about post-entry passes. He said he doesn't feel like a lot of young guards know how to make a post-entry pass anymore because the game is so pick-and-roll heavy. And I was like, no, nah, I mean, how hard is it can be to look for the post, get the post-entry pass and everything? Until I started, until I saw this Rockets team, and I was like, they really are going to struggle looking in the post and making post entry passes because there were so many times their bigs were open or their bigs got positioning and did good work and they did not get the ball. So he's going to have to work on that. Um, the second game, he started off slow. Like I said, that was the Pistons game. Um, he made it a, like the Pistons made it a point to keep the ball out of his hands early on. You saw that he was going through doubles. He was turning the ball a lot and everything. He was trying, he wasn't really looking for again with the playmaker aspect, he wasn't really looking to find the right guy, making the extra pass and everything. He kept trying to look for his shot. And he looked like he had a pretty quiet game. And he looked like he kind of was non-existent in the game. But then you see the box score at the end, and you see he has 25, 5, and 3 on, you know, 6 of 11, 3 from 5 from the 3. But it's because he went to the free throw line 11. Like, for, um, he went and shot 10 free throws. He, well, he was 10 for 11. He made 10 of his free throws. And I like that since they were doubling him, making life hard for him. He just started attacking the basket. Was like, I'm not going to just settle and everything like that. He was like, okay, they're trying to make me turn the ball over, do everything. He got in even more attack mode. He passed when he could. He started. That second half, he played much better looked more comfortable out there after struggling that first half. So Schmitty was saying he lost the matchup, but I mean, if if he a, a quiet 25 is struggling and losing the matchup, I'll take it. I will take it. I will take it. That third game, he only had 13 points on what's up, but the 13 points all were in the first half. That boy was cooking in the first, but then he went down with a minor injury. So, you know, obviously you're going to weigh um, what's called this out in the air of caution i can't even see air on the side of caution and just keep him out and everything like that so they decided to rest him for the rest of the game he didn't play for the rest of the summer league honestly because that hurt his average you gotta think what he had he had like 23 he had 25 and now he had 13 in the first half and he looked like he was about to have a big game and that hurt his average so instead of averaging high 20s mid 20s he could have been like top five in scoring in the summer league but instead he only averaged 20 points, which is still crazy. Only 20, but his shooting splits was crazy. 51, 52.6, 93 shooting splits. Whoo, sheesh, that is crazy. 51, 52, 93. That's crazy. Obviously, it's a summer league. Like, again, it was just a three-game sample size. He's not going to do that in the NBA. I, I would I would be surprised he even shot 40% from the three in the NBA. I can see four, you know. But we'll see. I, it, was still, it was still crazy seeing him. Like, his weakness, he just got to work on that facilitating. He... 
defensively he has the tools defensively but he made a bunch of he gambled a lot and didn't make the correct read so he has to work on his defensive iq as a whole his like i said scoring not gonna be a problem i like that he knows how to slow the game and like he knows how to play slow and fast depending on what the defense is doing he can play composed and everything and he has that like mentality he has that shack Jordan KG mentality where he just looks for things that drive him for him to take it personal. He just like he went in there. He was like, I feel like he, he was like he was looking forward to the summer league and he wanted to ball out because he was like people decide he's the number two pick and he was like I felt like I should have been the number one and because I wasn't the number one for number one pick I'm gonna go out there and try to prove that I should have been the number one pick to everybody and it's like bro you were still the number two pick like, I don't care about the number two pick I wanted to be number one he made it a point that he wanted to be number one he felt like he was the best player in the draft and so it should be interesting I still have. Um, Jalen Green winning rookie of the year, so we shall see how that goes. Um, he has the second best odds behind Cade, obviously. Next is Evan Mobley. Evan Mobley, give him a C plus. I don't want to give him too low of a grade. He did struggle. He did struggle a lot. Um, his first game he struggled playing against Singu and everything. Only finished with 12, 5, and 3. Like, but you know, he turned the ball over a lot. He had five turnovers, got in foul trouble, was only six for 17. He did have a, he did show flash, like he had a highlight putback dunk and everything. Second game, still struggled a little bit 14, seven, and six, one block, four turnovers, again in foul trouble, getting shot poorly, five for 15. And then that third game, eight, 11, three, and one block. You know, he finished his summer league averaging 11, eight, three, two blocks on 35, 12, 50 shooting splits. That's obviously not the Evan Mobley we're going to see. Um, I think as much as I like Jalen Hands and all these other guards, I don't think those were the correct guards to surround Evan Mobley with in the summer league because they weren't doing the best job putting him in the right position. I don't know if it was the team, just the teammates also coaching. They had him posting up a lot and everything like that, and I'm like, he's supposed to be a modern-day big. And if you see that, especially against somebody like Singun and everything, um, what's called he's not gonna overpower Singoon and just go up there and dominate in the post. So you need to move things away. You need to pull Singoon away from the basket, run some pick and rolls, pick and pops, get Mobley comfortable doing that instead of just dumping it down in the post and letting them try to post up. They cause they constantly all three games they constantly sent double teams and everything extra help. So Mobley wasn't able to just go one on one in the post. So it was like you see that they're not gonna Either he's over, like he's outmatching the post because he's weaker than his opponent, or he can't, um, what's it called, or he's getting doubled and everything like that. So you need to run a different scheme instead of just trying to let him post up. His rebounding was already a concern. I know a lot of people said that at USC, they, they weren't really sure about his rebounding. Like he will ever be a dominant rebounder, which isn't too crazy in the NBA today. I mean, you look at like people like AD, one of his comparisons, he, the most AD has ever averaged in a um, season is 12 boards, but he's still a 10 board. Like he's a double double machine. He still averages 10 boards a game for a career. So I'm not really worried about that. I see Evan Mobley. He's still probably going to average about 10, 11 boards a game. Nothing crazy or anything like that. Um, He's not a back to basket big. He see he has to put weight on. He's not going to be a best because he could do that in USC. But you got to think he's in the NBA. He's smaller than a majority of the bigs, so they're not going to let him back him down, overpower and everything like that. So he's going to struggle if they do want to try to give him post touches. So 
I'm not, he's not a back to basket big yet. He can be, you know, he can be, but he's not yet. He has to put on some extra muscle, extra weight. He needs to work on that passing out of the post. Um, because his playmaking actually looked good. Cleveland did this weird thing where they had him like kind of running like a floor general type role where he was like handling the ball a little bit, playmaking outside the post, not inside the post. Like now in the post, he was struggling playmaking, but out of the post and everything around the perimeter, they had him doing that. And I was like, okay. And I understand why they're doing it because they have Jared Allen still there. So a majority of the time they're going to have Jared Allen running that pick and roll, not Evan Mobley because Jared Allen can't space the floor and Evan Mobley is supposed to be able to space the floor. So if he's playing power forward, you're supposed to be spacing the floor. It's going to be a Jared Allen pick and roll. So he's going to have to be able to catch and shoot that three and play, make and do everything on the perimeter, which I think will be a better spot for him. I didn't think the Allen like thing was going to work at first, but then I'm starting to see them. Like, yeah, I think, I think it would be better to have Allen right there and have him at the power forward position. Like I said, he because he needs to add muscle. Until he adds that muscle, I don't think he's going to be ready to just be banging down there in the post. Or he might just be like an Anthony Davis type that's like, I don't want to bang down the post. We don't know yet. We'll see in the future. Um, he showed good composure still though with the doubles and everything like that and the struggles. He didn't you could you could see it didn't you couldn't see his frustration or anything like that. He looked like he was like he's still going to keep attacking. He kept doing everything in bigs young bigs usually struggle early on there's been i can't think of a single big that came in as a rookie and just play like phenomenal and dominated that's usually not how it works even like a lot of people started thinking like oh evan mobley's not as good as he wants i'm like relax it's a summer league plus worst case scenario he's miles turner so a really good big still in the NBA, but I still think he's going to be better than that. I just think he had some struggles early on. So we'll see in regards to that. Dang, we already 22 minutes in and I'm only at three or I'm at four now. Uh, I think I'm going to finish the top five off and then we'll take a short break. So let me go ahead and go try to speed this up a little. Stop rambling about every player so much. Um, Scotty Barnes at number four. I give him a B minus, a B minus. I wanted to go a little higher, but he also struggled a little bit, so it was hard to go higher. Um, that first game, 18-10, five, two steals and a block. He came out aggressive, too, and I liked it. He was looking for his shot, whether it be from the mid or the three. He didn't shoot that great, but he showed the confidence to come out there and shoot, which was supposed to be a weakness of his. So he came out there with, like, I'm going to shoot. Make or miss, I'm going to keep going out there shooting. He played good all around. He showcased his defensive versatility. He was communicating defensively. I think that was the first game of the game. They had him mic'd up, and they were talking. his teammates were talking and raving about him and talking about, like, yeah, that's that's normally how he is, mic'd up or not. Um, That second game, he definitely struggled. He had 13-8-1, struggled offensively, got in foul trouble. Only real positive was he was able to get to the line a lot and make make his free throw. So I liked that a little bit. He struggled, but he was able to be aggressive and get to the line. Third game was another poor offensive game, only 8-4-3, but his defense is where he showed up. He had five blocks, and he was showing you what you really drafted him for with that defensive versatility. And in the last game, he had 23, 5, 4, 1, and 2. That's probably his best game overall. I know a lot of people say they like that first game by him the most, but I think that last game by him was his best game overall because he just looked he looked really good all around. He did he, he even it was easily his best offensive game because he shot 10 for 18 from the field. He just he looked really good out there. He had a good all-around 
He all around performance finished 15, seven, three, one, still in two blocks on 41, 27, 74 splits. The shooting wasn't the best, but like I said, I just like the confidence of going out there and attempting the shots and doing anything like that. So I'm not, I'm not really worried about that. Um, I'm well, I shouldn't say I'm not worried about his shooting struggles in the summer league. It will be a problem if whenever he's alongside Siakam, you know, neither one of them are really good shooters. So that should be an interesting fit. I'm, I'm, I still want to see how that goes with both of them being like defensive players and not really good shooters and going to be needing to slash and everything like that. That should be an interesting fit right there. So he's still got to work on his consistency because he's very inconsistent right now. He, he, the, you already know where he's strong in and his playmaking, winning, and excuse you, man, winning intangibles, such as like the communication, like I talked about, and his defensive versatility. And then we're just going to go into number five, Jalen Suggs. B plus, B plus. I honestly wanted to give him an A because Jalen Suggs played really well, really well. But um, the only thing that I didn't like too much about Jalen Suggs was that he was mainly, I know he's, I know he's probably working on it. He was mainly a scorer and defender rather than a player. He wasn't really facilitating getting his teammates involved and everything like that. He was really focusing on his scoring, but those Drew Holiday comparisons are definitely there. He checked all the boxes. Like, he wasn't doing anything badly. He was just an all, he was the all-around player you were expecting, tough-nosed defense, everything you were expect in that regard. He had some moments, I think it was in game two, where he was, you know, getting a little hot-headed and everything. And um, at one point, R.J. Hampton had like had to settle him down because the ref was like, hey, blah, blah, blah. I think they teed him up or something. And then R.J. went over there and was talking to the ref. And then R.J. was like, you saw a little more. R.J. like tapped the shell. was like, okay, I got it. I got him. Don't worry. I'll talk to him. And then R.J., you see R.J. over there trying to mentor him and everything, get him right. Um, I think Jalen Suggs, though, did make it clear that he will be the day one starter. And out of the three point guards, he is the top point guard. Out of all three of those right there, we don't know what's going to happen when Foles gets back, but out of those three right there, Jalen Suggs has proven that he will be, at least after that, he proved to me that he will be the number one point guard. Uh, his first game was a statement game, and I'm here to say he, he said the message loud and clear, loud and clear. He came out with 24-9-1-2-3 and three blocks on 41-57-5 splits. And it didn't even help that our, both RJ and Cole Anthony struggled that first game. And they struggled a lot throughout the summer league, but they really struggled that first game. And the fact that Jalen Suggs just came out there and made a statement and balled out, that just, I was like, all right, I, I see you. And then that second game was like 16, 8, and 5, good all-around game. Like I said, that second game was the game he was showing those emotions and that um RJ had to calm down. Third game, he didn't play much and everything. Because of reasons and everything. So, has 6-2-1 and two steals. Like I said, he didn't really play Mahoney 11 minutes. Finished the summer league with 15-6-2, two steals, one block, 41-36-78 shooting splits. Nothing too crazy. He shot. He it still was really well. He shot well. He did well. Like I said, a good all-around game. Checked all the boxes. And I think we're going to take a break right now after talking about Jalen Suggs. Because now that we done did the top five, we will be right back.
And we are back. But are we better, Sophia? Maybe. Okay, there we go. There's your answer right there. Um, we are, we did the top five in the first half, in the first segment. Now we're in the second segment. We're going to talk about the rest. We Hopefully we don't have to divide it into a third segment. Hopefully we're good enough and can get through this. Like I said, I'm going to try to speed through these last few picks because the top five, I was rambling a lot and I was talking too much about each and every pick to where we went too long. So, um, going off with the sixth pick, Josh Giddy didn't play much, so I can't really grade him i'm just gonna give him an average of a c because that's the average give him a c because he he had one dunk before going out with injury in the first that first dunk was nice he you know blew by Kate and then got a nice little dunk I, he only played five minutes missed his next two shots but it's whatever i just i wanted to see more giddy because as everybody knows already i've said it, i'm kind of skeptical of him i'm not sure exactly where he's gonna um end up watch out so I'm not exactly sure how he's gonna end up and how he's gonna play and everything. So, uh, so I wanted to see more Giddy so I could see more of his game. But it's whatever. We still got the whole NBA season to watch. Um, Jonathan Kaminga, also at the seventh pick, I want to give him a B plus because he looked he looked really good. He looked he really looked really good. It made me it just emphasized more to me that OKC should have took him with the sixth pick. But at the seventh pick, he he looked really good. Um, he has to develop more of a bag. You saw you saw the handle on certain plays. You saw certain things where he hit him. What was it? Like he had to do with a tween tween. He he had some nice moments where his his handle looked really good. But he had a lot of moments where he just tried to like play bully ball and out muscle players, and it was just like. That's not going to work in the league. You're not going to be stronger. You can't play that Jimmy Butler ball because you're just going to put a bigger person on you. And then guess what? You're clamped. So you can't do that. You got to develop more of a bag. Um, Outside of that, though, he, he looked really good to me. He, he has to work on his shot selection, but that was something we already knew. We already knew he his shot selection needed work because he takes a lot of bad shots and he doesn't and he he needs to work on passing up his shot for a better shot because there was other there was a lot of times there was a better shot that could have get got taken but he he settled for a bad shot instead so he got to work on that um, inconsistency I think the inconsistency will go away once his shot selection fixes like resolves itself and everything but like show the defensive potential he what was that game like two game two he 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 looked he looked like he was gonna be a defensive stud and everything um he showed his crazy athleticism showed his aggression and not backing down no matter whether his shots miss or make he was that man was gonna shoot that ball and he didn't care about anything else so the first game he had 16 six and one three steals and a nice block struggle with a you know like i said he struggled with his shooting oh for four but he showed his aggression, still attacking the basket and everything, keeping the defense on their toes. Game two is the game, like I said, that's where he showed his defensive potential. He was going against he he had a he had a tough matchup against the number four pick, Scotty Barnes. And on both ends of the floor, he made Scotty struggle. He was attacking Scotty Barnes like crazy on the offensive end. And on the defensive end, he was making Scotty struggle. He was making it. He was struggling to get to his spots, struggling to get his shot off, everything. And he shot much better from three this game. He shot five for eight. So he finished with 18-4, two steals and a block. He did turn the ball over six times, which 
I don't really like, but I'm not too worried about it because he's not going to have the role he's playing. He's not going to have the ball in his hand all the time. So he won't be looked on as the decision maker or anything like that. But I am happy that I saw that aggression shot better and that defense right there. Um, game three, 18, seven and two showed his aggression. But again, the shot didn't fall. There was a lot of games this summer league where his shot just couldn't fall. Last game, 17, 8, 4, 1, and 1. Got into foul trouble, but also was being aggressive once again, getting to the line. He did he did really good throughout the entire summer league getting to the line. He finished the summer league with 17, 6, 2, one and a half steals and one block on 37, 28, 64 and a half splits. Not the best shooting splits, but like I said, I, I still liked it off his aggression, and I liked the defense. And we all knew that um, Kaminga was going to be a – He's more for potential more than right now. So all those flashes of potential is what you, that we saw. It makes you look and be like, yeah, they 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 got a the Warriors are good even if they don't trade away Kaminga, they are good to still compete in the future and right now because they still have Steph. So you're always looking good with Steph, and so their future looks good and their now looks good, which is really good if you're a Warriors fan. That is that's really good. Um. But eighth pick, Franz Wall. I mean Wagner. Uh, Wagner, I gave him a B minus. It's hard to rank players like this because they're not there. These are the type of players that aren't there to be number one, number two options. Like Wagner is not looked upon or ever looked upon. He's going to be the all star. He's going to be the superstar. He's going to be like that. He is coming in to play a role. You need you need competent role players. You need competent like pieces to go around like to complement your stars and everything. So he's going to be a like he he's he's the piece that's going to complement their star. So it's hard grading him because he's supposed to be a good defensive player. Defensively, he played really good. Defensively, he he showed up whether he was guarding people like Kam- wings like Kaminga or he even guarded Mobley. He was even switching on the guards and everything like that. So he was guarding everybody. So he showed his strength defensively. But the thing is, his offense struggled. His offense definitely struggled. Um, He didn't have the best shooting splits. He didn't have the best shooting Um, period. He was, you know, that first game, I don't know. He didn't look comfortable. To me, he didn't look comfortable out there shooting. He didn't look comfortable driving. He didn't really look comfortable doing anything offensively. Uh, first game, he had five, six, and two. Uh, one still. He was aggressive with his shot, but he was 0 for 6 from the three. Game two, 10, 3, and 1. Uh, it's a better game efficiency-wise, but you didn't really see too much. Game three, 4, 3, and a block, you know. Another game where he struggled offensively. Fourth game, 13-3-1. Three steals, bounce-back game efficiency-wise and bounce-back game defensively-wise. Like he, looked, he looked really good. So, I mean, he finished this uh, summer league with 8-4-1. One steal on what's called 45-15-67 shooting splits. So, 15% from the three, that's not ideal, but I'm not <sighs> – I don't want to say I'm not worried because when it comes to players like this that are coming in to play a role, I'm like, I expect you, because this is what you want. I'm not expecting you to handle the ball. I'm not expecting you to do X, Y, Z. Only thing I want you to do is come in here, play defense, and hit the open shot. So that's what I'm looking for you to So I'm not necessarily crazy worried, but I would be lying to say I'm not, you know, I'm like skeptical. So, but 
I'm not sure. We'll see how he goes along. Um, next pick, Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell looked really good. Co-MVP of the Summer League. Defensively, looked amazing. Definitely is getting an A from me. He's one of the uh, – I think I only gave like four or five people A's, and he's one of my A's. He looked really good. Um all around game-wise, people had questions on his shot because they were talking about in his first couple years, he didn't shoot well. But that last year, he shot really well. So people were skeptical, like, oh, you know you always have players that be like, they might be a one-year wonder. They catch excuse me, they catch hot, they catch fire, and they're just like, they look really good. And they outplay what they really can do. But that's what a lot of people were worried about. But he he wasn't. He, he shot really well. Um. He's still undersized, so I still want to find where he falls into the lineup. Because he's, after seeing him, he's somebody you want to be a starter on your team. But he's behind two really good guards in what's called Halliburton and De'Aaron Fox. So it's going to be hard to find where he goes. Unless you play a three-guard lineup, but the Kings already struggled defensively. So then you have either De'Aaron Fox or Halliburton guarding small fours. And I'm not sure if you really want Davion Mitchell guarding a small forward at six feet tall. So it's kind of like, you know, it's going to be a struggle to see where he goes in. I think Davion Mitchell closes a lot more games than um, he started. I don't think he's going to, I think he's going to be a six man this year, but I think he's going to be one of those six men that closes the game. So I think that's going to, that's going to show. And I, and I always care more about who closes the game than who starts. Cause to start, it don't matter. It don't matter if you start because if the end of the game, when the money's on the line, who they want to be out there, that lets you know who the coach really wants to be out there. And if he's out there in that time, that's going to show me a lot. Um, they're going to, they're going to eventually move from De'Aaron Fox to retirees Halliburton. Hopefully it's Fox. I want to, you know, free my man Fox, but, um, the shot looked really good. Like I said, he just had to get consistent with it. He shot he shot a really good percentage. He just didn't shoot too many three. I think he shot like three a game. So he shot a really good percentage. So I want him to get consistent because it was like, you know, you shoot one game. You have one game where you shoot really well from three. When you have another game where you don't really shoot too well from three. But you're only shooting three a game. So it's not really like it's hurting your average. But that first game, 10, 1, 9. One and one, who he showcases playmaking, showcases defense. That man had Book Knight in prison. He was hounding him. He was harassing him. He made Book Knight struggle. That second game again, twelve two and four. Once again, showing his defense and playing his role. Like that's somebody. Davion Mitchell is the kind of player I want to see in summer league. The one that's gonna play play the role. You're gonna actually see him play. So he's not he's not he's not out there doing extra things. He's doing what you would expect him to do because that's what he's gonna be doing in the league. Third game was his um what's called his first big offensive game in Vegas. Cause I'm only really counting Vegas. I know there's the other ones as well, but I'm only really counting Vegas. And he had 19, 2, 5, and 3 steals. Really good shooting splits. Really, really good shooting splits. He had four threes that game. Um Fourth game was his, you know, that was his only bad game. He only had four points, five assists, shot really poorly. But that was his only bad game, so I'm not too worried about it. Fifth game, the championship game, he was phenomenal. Not on the offensive end, but, you know, he still shot 40% from the three. But offensively, he wasn't he wasn't all that. But defensively, what? Go get it. Go get another snack. Go get one. Excuse you. Go get a snack. Um, what's called defensively, he looked really, really good. 
If you thought Book Knight was in prison, oh my goodness. Peyton Pritchard was in solitary confinement. It was crazy how bad he had Peyton Pritchard locked up. Peyton Pritchard, up to that point, was looking like he was probably the best player. And I'm not even a Celtics bias. He looked like he was the best guard in summer league at the time because he was balling out. He was balling out. He had Sophia stop. He he was doing whatever he wanted. He was doing whatever he wanted. Boston was undefeated. They were blowing out teams. He went out to the pro M league, dropped 92 out there when he was playing the summer league. He was over there shooting from like volleyball lines, Steph Curry range, and everything like that. Then he came back and only had six points against Davion Mitchell. He was scoreless in that first half, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if I remember correctly, he was scoreless in that first half. And Davion Mitchell had that man. He had that man struggling. He had that man struggling badly. He wasn't letting Peyton Pritchard do everything, anything. So when you see something like that, it's like, yeah, that's the kind of guy I want. And that just makes me hate even more that he's with the Sacramento Kings because it's like they already have two guards. Unless they plan on trade, and they still got Buddy Hill too. So it's like, they have so many guards on the court. It's like they don't have anywhere to put. They don't have anywhere to put Mitchell and everything like that. So they got to figure out where they can put him. I, guess I just see him as a six man role. I don't know, but like I said, Davion Mitchell, a. And next we have Zaire Williams. Zaire Williams is making me look foolish. I know it's just a summer league, so I don't want to put too much pressure on him or anything like that. And like I already said, summer league doesn't matter too much. You've seen people struggle in summer league and ball out in the NBA, but he struggled at Stanford. I mean, he's struggling in the summer league and I spoke highly of him. I spoke really highly of him and he's just struggling even more. His, his jump shot is supposed to be his strength and it looked like a weakness out there. He, he had one good game. So consistency is much needed, much needed. He didn't have, he wasn't consistent at all. Zaire Williams gets a D for me. A D, a D plus. Let's give him a D plus. He did have one good game. Other than that, he looked, he looked awful. Didn't look good at all. Um, first game has seven, two and one. Looked really average out there. Couldn't even really notice he was out there. I don't have anything to think about most of his games. Like, Third game struggling, 5-15, 0 for 6 from the 3. Finished with 10 and 8. Fourth, another horrendous shooting game, 5 for 18, another 0 for 6 from the 3. And I just I just don't know. That second game of his was his only good game. 19 points, 6 to 10 from the field, 4 or 5 from the 3. And that's Desire Williams that I want to see. That's Desire Williams I know he can be. But it's just he looks so piss poor the rest of the summer league i just that one good game can't save him for the rest of the other baggies he finished with 12 and a half five and one on 38 20 53 shooting splits supposed to be a good shooter shooting 20 percent supposed to be a good scorer not really scoring the ball well not really doing too much well out there in the summer league so I don't know. I don't know. I'll just give him a D plus and we'll move on. Um, James Booknight. James Booknight. Um, that first game, he looked really, really good. He looked aggressive with 19 points, 7-14 from the field. Only one for three from three, which, I mean, hey, it was a good debut for the, to the summer league for him. He, he, he looked really good out there. He has to work on his consistency, his handle. His shooting was good, really good. Even though he struggled a little bit, his shooting was good. He he looked like a really good scorer besides that Kings game. And he showcased his playmaking ability, which I really liked. 
Um, so I'm gonna give James Booknight a B because the only game he really struggled in was the Davion Mitchell game. Because the second game, the Davion Mitchell game, like I already said, he was in prison. He was in prison, finished 411, one for five from the three. He he was struggling out there. There was one play where Davion Mitchell literally just bullied him. So um struggling. But then the third game, he bounced back 23 and 8 on 11 of the 23 shoot. Fourth game only had 14. Um, what's called? I mean, he 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 had a he still shot good that game, so I can't really complain. He finished with 17 3 4 on 45 set. I mean, um, on 45 37 uh 70 shooting splits. So he did pretty good. So I'm gonna give him a B B minus. I, I don't want to take too much away from because he still played well outside of that Davion Mitchell game. Um, Joshua P- Primo, uh, I give him a C plus. Uh, like I don't I don't know. I don't. I don't know what I was really expecting. I don't, he he shows that he's gonna be a good defender. We already knew that he was gonna be a multi. I mean, multi positional defender. He looked like he could be a capable shooter. He showcased his playmaking ability. He could be a um. He could be a good second. I wouldn't. He never a primary, but he's a good secondary playmaker. Give him a C, like a C plus, B minus around that area. Um. He looked good. He's still a raw prospect, so he has a lot to fine-tune. He's going to spend a lot of time in the G League. I can almost guarantee he's going to be in Austin a lot on, a G, on their G League team working on his game. I doubt we see much of him this year. He finished, I mean, that first game he had 8-2-2, two, two, two steals, struggled to put the ball in the basket, but he flashed his defensive potential. Second game, 21-5 three and three blocks had a much easier time scoring and looked more comfortable out there once again showed his defense but i don't i don't really think we're gonna see too much of him he finished with 14 and a half three and a half one and a half and what's called um what's called one half steals on 33 31 67 splits so like i said i'm not i'm not too sure what we're gonna see from him if we see him much at all i don't really see us seeing him until like the end of the season but the spurs aren't that crazy of a roster right now they're not fighting for playoffs or anything like that so it wouldn't surprise me at the same time if we do they do decide to bring him up but i wouldn't want to rush him and bring him throw him just straight into the dog i like i'd like to see him in the g league for a little bit and then get called it later so then we have chris duarte i give him an a he was, after Jalen Green, he was my favorite player in this summer league. The Pacers got them a good one. The Pacers got them a really, really good one. Um, He just, he didn't, he didn't, he, did, he didn't look like he had any weaknesses out there. He did everything he was supposed to do. And, like, if I had to pick something, I'd say cut down the turnovers. But, I mean, it's the summer league, so I, I don't know. He, he looked good defensively, looked good shooting-wise. He looked like he was NBA-ready. He definitely looked like NBA-ready. First game, 14, 2, 3, you know, two steals and two blocks. Great all-around game. Played well, shot well. Defense was good. Couldn't find any flaws. Second game, 21.7 rebounds, two assists, two steals and a block. The only complaint, again, I have is the turnovers. But, I mean, he hit five threes this game while still playing phenomenal defense. Third game, 19 points, three rebounds, six assists, four steals, four blocks, dominant performance. Like, uh, these all-around performances are the norm with – was the norm with him in the summer league. He was just dominating. And then finally he finished off with 19-4, four, and two steals. If it wasn't for that first scoring performance, his numbers would look even better. 
And so he finished the summer league with 18 points, four rebounds, four assists, two and a half steals, two blocks on 45, 48, 100 shooting splits. That man was balling. That man was really, really balling. Um, Can't wait to see how he fits in on the team. I really liked what I saw from him. Really like what I saw from him. It's just if he can continue up this, he might be he might be one of the steals. He might be one of the steals of why didn't he go earlier? Uh, Moses Moody is next. I give him a B. Give him a B. Um, his he still needs to work on that handle and shot creation. He shows that he's still going to be that prototypical three and D wing. I still think Moses Moody can be more than the three and D wing. He just has to work on that handle and shot creation. Uh, the first game he had 15, four and two and a steal, shooting fairly well, showing his like again his ability to be a three and D wing. Second game, 14, 12, one still, one block. Didn't do anything out of the ordinary. He was like, he's one of those players, like I said, I want to see you play your role. He played his role. He That's what he did. Third game, 22 points, three rebounds, two steals. Um, fourth game, 14, two, one, one and one. And that last game was a struggle as far as like turnover and jump shots, but Outside that, he didn't really struggle. He didn't really have any struggles. He didn't have any weaknesses outside like the handle. But again, if outside the role he's gonna play for the most part, he looked he looked really good. He looks like he's ready to step into that role. Average 16-3, one assist, one steal on 43-37-78 splits. So he shot well. He did, he played well. Um, that's why I give him a B. He played well. Um Corey Kispert did not play well. Did not play well. Um yeah, but he did have a solo good game. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, because it's like, like I said, the Zaire game, but I think Kisper still played better than Zaire because Kisper is not expected to do everything Zaire was supposed to. So the expectations are different. So the grades are different. Kisper, I give a C because his strengths were supposed to be his shooting. He's supposed to come in and be a shooter and everything. He needs to work on his shot creation and affecting the game when his shot's not falling. That's what I feel like he, he could when his shot wasn't really falling because he did have some bad shooting games. It felt like he was just out on the floor, not doing anything. He was just running around. He wasn't he wasn't effective. He wasn't doing anything at all. Um, That first game, eight points, three for nine from the field, two for five from three. You know, it was OK. Didn't really knock you out of the park or anything, but he did his part being a shooter. I like him to see, I'd like to see him have taken more shots than nine. Cause especially like you're a lottery pick. I want to see you take more than nine shots. But then that second game, whew, I just said, I wanted to take more shots. That second game was a struggle. He shot four for 14, one for eight from three and didn't shoot well. Didn't shoot well at all. Third game was his one and only good game. He bounced back with 18, Hit four threes. Show show what he could do if he if he if he does reach the He showed what kind of shooter and what kind of player he could be. And then his last game had three points on one and seven shooting. Zero for four from the three. Four turnovers and it was a struggle. It was a struggle for him. He struggled a lot in summer league. Finished with nine and a half, two and a half on 35, 29, 33 shooting splits. Not really that good. Not really that good at all. Um. I'm not. Then we got the last pick of the draft. Uh, not said last pick. Last pick that we're gonna talk about today, and that is Singun. Um, a he he is the last A we're gonna get out here. First game dominated, dominated. 15, 15, four blocks. Outplay Mobley in that one. Um, the thing was he 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 didn't necessarily shoot the best. I think he shot like three for nine or three for ten, but he still got to the free throw line and did what he was supposed to. 
Um, his he has to be able to stretch the floor. He did shoot some threes out there. He tried to shoot some threes, but he didn't look comfortable. The jump shot did not look comfortable at all. He look he looked like he's gonna be good low post game. He has that strength in the size, good rim protectors. I think he might be the steal of the draft. I think he might be the steal of the draft outside of um Sharif Cooper, which we're gonna talk about on another episode. But I think he might be the steal of the draft. Yeah, there's no reason he should have slipped this far. Uh the second game dominant again, 21 points, eight rebounds, four blocks. Third game, that was they tried something new. They tried to use him as the primary facilitator. Not sure, really sure why they tried to use him as a facilitator at the center position. I know he can pass, but it was only it was pretty confusing. He finished with nine and ten with you know he five turnovers trying to force the issue, got into foul trouble, did a lot. Fourth game, 13 points, 10 rebounds. Three assists, pretty basic game by his standards, but overall he played really well. Finished with 14 and a half, 11, three assists, one steal, three blocks on 43, 37 and a half, 60 splits. Um, I feel like he could have averaged more and been more dominant, but like I said when I was talking about Jalen Green, a lot of his teammates were looking him off. Like there was one possession that I'm gonna keep talking about where he blocked um Evan Mobley, ran down the court, got positioning under the basket in over there in Turkey. Like he's used to getting certain amount of touches, getting touches in certain places. Like his teammates know how to play with him. A lot of young guards, especially over here in the U.S., aren't used to playing with like post up players. Their their bigs are usually pick and roll threats, pick and pop threats. So a legit post up threat is unique. You know, you might your big might get a couple post up threats. I mean, post up touches. Your guard get a couple post up touches. But you don't get a lot of post touches. You don't see a lot. One player get a lot of post touches, and he's the kind of big that's like get him his touches in the post. He can facilitate, he can pass out of it, he can score, he can do a lot of things. And there was a lot of times where he had the opportunity to score, but they looked him off, or they did. He sealed because he does a lot of his work early, so he would get he would go up there, seal the defender off, be ready. And it also worked for the his teammates at the same time because they weren't looking to pass to him. But at the same time, when they drove, the defender can't um, go and help and try to contest the shot because he's sealed off. So I guess it works in two ways. He still helped his team out. But I would rather them have gotten him some more post touches. Um, but yeah, I think that we're going to call it an episode this time. I need to handle this little girl anyway. So this has been another episode of the Ath Geeks podcast. Always, always, always remember to respect women but most importantly remember to respect yourself and we out say bye sophie